I love it. We've had all ages. We've just had so many incredible testimonies. Uh, we were going to sing this new song today at uh, Nothing, uh, He's Too Good to Not Believe. And Joe, uh, Joe Grimes, who has filmed all of these video testimonies, he sent us a list for all the pastors, all of the testimonies that have been represented throughout the year, uh, all the things that God has done. It just encouraged us all. And then she comes up and does this one about the armor of God. And you know, guys, God is just so good that he, he, he's not a respecter of persons. Do y'all understand that? And he, what he'll do for one, he'll do for another. And even what, what Jeff said this, uh, this morning at the end of that song, sometimes we think, well, that was for them, them, them. They're probably really good people. Uh, I know a lot of these people up here, they were not really good people. <laughs> None of us actually are really good people in the sense that we're perfect. Uh, all of us have our faults. We all have our failures. We all have our idiosyncrasies. Uh, we all have our whatevers. And God says, I still love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm not a respecter of persons or people. And if, what, if I'll do it for one, I'll do it for another. And so if you think that he just, he just plays favorites, he doesn't play favorites. We're all his favorites. We're all his favorites. Listen, he's got a great big refrigerator in heaven and your picture's on it. <laughs> Say, my picture's on God's refrigerator. Yeah, it is. I think, maybe. I don't know. So today we're going we're gonna to continue this series on um, after having done all to stand. And today we're going to be talking about truth because each one of the pieces of armor is important. And I want to I wanna reestablish, though, because of last week we had, uh, after, the, after the message, we had five people accept Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. Yeah, come on. So I want to, uh, probably every sermon that I give on this series, I want to establish position because before you can put your armor on, you have to be in his army. Okay? Uh, if you're lost, you don't know Jesus, you can say the armor all day long, but you've got to know him before you can put the armor on. So I want to read from uh, Ephesians 2. We're going to get right into it about knowing your position. And it says in Ephesians 2, 1, and you he made alive. Okay? He made you alive. Say, he made me alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. Everybody that's ever come to Jesus before you came to know him, you were a dead man or dead woman, dead person walking because you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's the enemy, Satan, the devil, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all, all say all, we all conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So we're established before Christ. That's who we were. Okay? Now, but look at this. Say, but God. But God. Woo, that's a good but God. Number four, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together. Listen, this is so important about our position. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of people go, how can I be seated with Christ? Because Christ is in you and you are in Christ. It's one of those heavenly mysteries. But we are seated with him in heavenly places, the Bible says. And that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, that could be, he could be talking about our, our, our destiny, which is in heaven, okay? For by grace you have been saved. He said it once, but now he's going to say it again. For by grace you have been saved, what? Through faith. Say, through faith. Through faith. 
Okay, the faith, where do you get the faith from? From him, okay? And that, not of yourselves, can't come from you. It's his faith that he puts within you. It is a what? How many of you earn a gift? Oh, you don't earn a gift. Uh -uh, uh -uh, uh -uh. If you earn a gift, then it's not a gift. It's, It's a wage. Okay, so if it's a gift, somebody gave it to you, you didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it. How many, how many of you got a Christmas present last year that you sure didn't deserve? <laughs> it's the gift of God. And then he, he, he wants to make it very clear, not of works. See, a lot of people think if I do more good things than bad things, God will let me in. How many of you hear that in movies? You watch movies and they, they, they border on some kind of issues of religion. And they're, all, and they're saying, well, how, you gonna, how do you know? What, what are you going to do? Well, uh, do you think there's, a, there's an afterlife? Well, I just think if you're a good person, you're probably going to get in. It has nothing to do with it. It's how good God is, not how good you are. Okay? So he, he makes it very clear. It's, through, it's saved by grace, through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. So you can't boast about you saving you. You can't boast about, I deserve to get in, because you don't. I don't. Nobody deserves to get in except Jesus. For we are his workmanship. What does that mean? He, he's created us. He, he, he made us for him. A lot of people think he made us for, for whatever we're going to do in our life in this world, but it's not. He made us just for him. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. A lot of people go, there's the good works part. Yes, it is. You love him so much that you want to do good works for him. And here's the thing. You don't have to figure out what they are. He's already prepared them beforehand for you to do. You just walk right into them. You have to have Holy Spirit eyes. You have to be tuned to the Holy Spirit to hear him. But he shows you the things that he wants you to do. It doesn't mean you have to go around every day, all day, doing good things. He's going to show you exactly where he wants you to go and what he wants you to do. Amen? So our position is attained by grace, by God. And here's a good definition of grace. God's goodness. God's goodness. He's just so good. He, he, he poured out his grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So now we are part of God's army. So now if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never surrendered him, if you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, if you've never invited him in, you've asked, or you've not ever asked him to forgive you of your sins or repented of your sins, you're not in his army. But when you do that, you step into his presence, into his grace, into his goodness, and you become a part of his army. Amen? So Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, since you're in the army, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So I think we established that last week. We are in the evil day. Would you agree? We are in a battle of good versus evil. Would you agree? Now some of you, we have different ranks in the army. Did you know that? Just like in the army, there is a, there is a private and there are corporals, there are sergeants, there are lieutenants, there are generals, there are, there are colonels, there are all different levels in the army. And the Bible tells us that we are a part of the army, but we're not all the same, we're not all in the same position, right? Oh boy, this is going to give me fun. We're not all in the same, oh, come on now. Is that going to stay? Okay. All right. We're not all in the same position. You know, the Bible teaches that, right? There are some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some of us are eyes. But we fit together like this. That's why people that say, I don't need to be a part of the body, they're mistaken. Because we're all, we, we need each other. What if we just had an army full of privates? They'd just be running around and running into each other. Be like a bunch of Gomer piles, you know, just... 
be like the Keystone Cops or whatever. And I know the young people are going, well, who are Keystone Cops and who's Gomer Pyle? <laughs> Just go back and figure it out. Go do, Google it. Okay, you'll figure it out. Uh, and so we're apart. And so there, there, even in this room, there's a different, there are different maturity levels in this room. Do you all understand that? Some of you have been Christians for a long time. You're mature in your faith. And I'm not saying just because you've been a Christian a long time you're mature, but that's what it should be. You should be more mature than, than a baby Christian. But we, we have baby Christians, though, that have just gotten in the water and come out of the water. You know, they're, like, they're like little babies. You've got you to help them along. You've got to help them walk. You've got to help them stand and all these things. But we have baby Christians that we have that are, so, that, that are graduated to the toddler class and to the children's class. To the, and, and their ages are all different. But we have all these different kinds of people that make up the body of Christ, that make up the army of God. But our position always is in Christ. Ephesians 4.23 then says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man. Say, put on the new man. Which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And he's already talking about some of the other armor there. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We're, we're, We're all together in this. So be angry and do not sin and do not the, let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil because your position now is in Christ. So you don't want to give the enemy any more position in your life. You don't want to invite him to the dinner table. Amen. Amen. He's not a part of your life anymore. Should not be a part of your life anymore. That word place means opportunity, power and occasion for acting. In other words, when you give him a place, just uh, crack the door. He comes in and, and you've, already, you've already set yourself on the road to letting him uh, come back in and destroy you again or pull you down or rob you or steal or whatever he does. I mean, he's, he's very active. So we have to be on the alert. We have to put on the new man, not just the armor of God, but we have to put on the new man. So now we are positioned in Christ. We're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We've been raised up to sit with him. Now, let me read Ephesians 6.13 again. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Take your position. How much, how much of the armor does he say to put on? All, all of it. It, ta- it takes all of it to withstand in this, the day that we live in. Just like our, our testimony this morning. You know, she thought, I, I'm supposed to put that on. I think I should have put that on. I didn't put that on. And now... God's reminded me. He's reminding you every day. How many of you got the piece of paper last week? Talking about putting your arm on. We have more of those if you didn't get one. As you go out this morning, we have more of those. But we want you to start learning to take up your position. To take your place in the kingdom of God. So many of you in this room right here, right now, have not taken your position in Christ. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You have not planted your feet in him. And because you've not planted your feet, you're leaning. The wind's blowing. And sometimes you're double-minded. The winds of doubt, they create that this wind of doubt. When things are not going good, you start doubting. And when things are not going your way, you start not trusting God the way you're supposed to trust him. And so you're losing your position. Look what it says in Jeremiah 17. I love this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear. Say not fear. When he, when he comes, how many of you know when he comes in West Texas, a lot of people start fearing. They start fearing when there's a drought here for, a mi- for, year, for, for many, many months at a time. What do we fear? 
What do we fear? Not having enough water. You're checking the, we're checking the river. We're checking the, the lakes. How much, what's the, the, the water level in the lake? Or the, in the lake, whatever our well's like in the, in the countryside, if things start drying up and people start getting, oh, a little bit anxious, and all of a sudden they get a little bit fearful, and, and the water bills start going up and the water starts smelling bad, you know? And we start wondering, are we, God, are you going to send us some rain? Because we need rain or we're, we're in big trouble. But he says here, if you're tra- planted by the water, you will not fear when the heat comes. See, a lot of you, the, the, the spiritual heat comes. How many of you know what heat li- is like when the enemy's coming after you? How many of you know what if, when he turns up the heat a little bit? And all of a sudden you're like, oh, 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 oh. And God says, no, no, you're planted. You're in, you're in your position. Take your position and you will not have to fear when the enemy comes at you and he throws the heat at you. Amen? Amen. And then he says, but its leaf will be green. And, and that green means life. We'll have life even in the midst of the heat. And will not be anxious. Say, not be anxious. In the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Listen, if everything, he's talking about if everything in the physical dries up, you know, all the, the fruit trees quit, you know, there's no fruit. When we don't have any rain, there's, there's no grass. I mean, how, many of you let, how many of you let your lawn go? You just quit watering your yard. And it's so beautiful brown. <laughs> so I like that tint of brown. And how many people in, in West Texas have gone to zero scape? What's zero scape mean anyway? You got rocks in your yard. You can go out in the country and just there's zero scape everywhere. You know, but people actually put rocks in their yard so because they don't have to worry about water in their yard. How many have a zero scape yard? Okay. Okay. But see, if 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 the enemy comes and starts drying up you spiritually, well sometimes we want to replace that spiritual dryness and we we replace it with the wrong things. We try to replace it with things that, uh, in, in our flesh that will make things look bad, better. We'll, we'll spray paint the grass. and make. I mean, have you seen those yards that they paint the grass? Looks pretty good, though, doesn't it? Yeah, I thought about painting our grass. We have a few spots in ours that are in green. I thought, but what if I get the wrong tent, the tent of green? It will stick out even worse. But he says, even when we're anxious or in the year, the, we won't be anxious in the year of drought. And, but I love the last part. It says, we'll, we will not cease from yielding fruit. When things around you are drying up spiritually, God says, nuh-uh, not for you. Just because things around you are drying up and it does, the heat's up, you are still planted by the water. You're still a strong tree, and you're going to still yield fruit when everything around you is not. 1 Timothy uh, 6, Paul says this, verse 11, But you, O man of God, flee these things. He's talking about sin if you read the previous verses. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of? Fight the good fight of what? That's better. Lay hold, get hold of it, of eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. How many women are in the Women Encouraging Women class? What are y'all studying? The power of your words. What, is this, what does this verse say? Hold on to eternal life to which you were also called and have what? Confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The good confession is what's coming out of your mouth. 
When everything around you, in the, in the battle for faith, in the fight of faith that you're in, you have got to get control and let the, the Holy Spirit get control of your mouth, of your thoughts, and you start speaking the things that are life and not death in your, in your situations. See, a lot of times we, we fight the good fight of faith, but a lot of times we lose the fight. Anybody ever lost the fight of faith? Be honest. Come on, be honest. How many of you lost the fight of faith? I think everybody should raise their hands in here, unless you're perfect. But, we, we, it's, it's, a, but it's a good fight. And the enemy wants you to what? He wants you to lose your faith. Did you hear Esley a while ago? She was talking about, I was, I, was battling, I was thinking, man, I'm battling for my faith here. God, I want you to do something here because I'm battling for my faith. How many are battling for your faith this morning? There are situations in your life you can't see the end. You can't see a good ending to it. You, you've heard the bad report, and you're thinking, Lord, how am I going to get through this? I'm battling for I'm this, I'm in this fight of faith, but it feels like I'm losing. Anybody ever feel like you're losing the fight? And Timothy, he's telling Timothy, Timothy, Leave that life of sin. Start pursuing me with everything you have because we've got this fight to fight. And it's the fight of faith. See, if the enemy can get you to doubt your faith, he's already got you. you if you don't think we're in a battle this morning, if you don't think that the enemy's after you this morning, he's already got you deceived. You've already fallen for his schemes. Did you know that? If you think, oh, man, I'm just going to waltz through life. I'm going to do my thing. Well, if you're doing your thing, probably he's not going to bother you. But if you're doing his thing, if you're doing God's thing, he's going to bother you. You know the old saying, if, if you haven't met the devil lately, head on, it's probably because you're going the same direction. I guess y'all hadn't heard that. If you haven't met him head on lately, you're probably going the same direction. You're probably so sucked in that you've conformed to the world so much that you just look like the world. So much of the church just looks like the world. Mimics the world, copies the world. You know, the enemy wants you to think that evil is good, and he wants you to think that good is evil. He wants you to compromise your faith. He wants you to deny your faith like Peter did when, when he was asked if he knew Jesus, and he said three times, I don't even know the guy. Mm-mm. Last time he cursed said, oh, get away from him. I don't know that man. He denied him three times and uh, repented and restored and did a, was an amazing man of God. If we're honest, most of us, sometimes we lose the fight for our faith. And here's some of the reasons we, or how we lose the battle. We give in to sin. That temptation is just, man, got tempted again. I fell for this trick again. <laughs> I repent, Lord, I repent, Lord. Oh, I fell for it again. And we start losing the fight of faith when we give in to the same old sins. We, give in to, we, we, we lose the fight of faith sometimes when we pray, Oh, God, do this, do that. And God says, you know, he doesn't do this or he doesn't do that. You think, well, where is God? And where is God? I've asked him, I've believed, I've, 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 I've laid hold, I've claimed it, I've, I've agreed with somebody else and it hasn't happened. And, and the enemy says, yeah, yeah, see, remember, he, he, you just, he, doesn't, he doesn't come through like you always think he does. Anybody ever hear that from the enemy? Yeah. Yep. Sometimes we lose the battle for faith when we come into hardships. The cares of this world, paying bills, separation, divorce, 
injuries, accidents, bad reports, health issues, and they just keep coming and coming and coming. And you think, well, God, where are you? Once you start saying those things, like, God, why me? When you start saying, where are you, God? You start losing the battle for faith. You, you quit fighting the good fight of faith when you start giving in. So here's what you have to do. You have to say, God, I don't understand this, but I trust you. I don't understand this, but I love you. I know that you've got my best interest in mind. You are for me. You are not against me. That's why it's imperative to know the armor and to put the armor on. It reminds you every day that we are in a battle. Armor up. I put armor all on my tires yesterday. You know, I didn't armor all. I just armored the tires. But uh, made them look shiny. But God says put the armor on the, all the armor. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, watch. Say watch. watch. Stand fast. In what? Faith. The faith. Be brave and be strong. Watch, keep your spiritual eyes open, and then Paul says to stand fast. That means to persevere, to persist, stand firm, not give up, not give in. Stay the course. How many of you know that God loves it when we just keep on keeping on? I mean, Jesus kept on keeping on, didn't he? He wants us to keep on, even when it doesn't look good. That's when people are watching you. That's when your neighbors are watching. That's when your relatives, your lost relatives are watching you because they know, oh, look, oh they're, they're just, their family is so perfect, but some calamity comes to your family. They, they're watching you in the calamity. They're watching you when the things fall apart, and they're watching you to see, are they really, truly people of faith? Or are they only people of faith when everything's going good? It's really good to be people of faith when things are going good, isn't it? Six, uh, go to Ephesians 6, uh, 14. Now we're going to talk about, I'm just going to lay a foundation. This is all the armor. Then we're going to talk a little bit about truth. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all, say all, all of the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying Always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The saints. <laughs> you think this is easy, don't you? <laughs> you said saints. So we're going to start with the first part of verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded, Anybody girded up today? Pastor, I don't even know what girded means. Uh, having girded your waist with truth. So we're going to talk about armoring up in truth. Here, here's the thing. God, God puts, uh, in, uh, or Paul puts this armor, how we put it on, he puts an order to it. Say order. order. So probably everyone in here, when you get up in the morning and you get dressed, you have a, an order to how you get dressed. Would I be assuming right? Uh, and, and you... You may not do it exactly every day the same way, but probably most days you have an order to the way you put your clothes on, okay? Uh, did you know that God's a God of order? 
Do you think there's a happenstance that he just said, well, let's just throw this armor out there and put it on? No. Well, you know, a lot of people, when they prayed this prayer, they put the armor on. The first thing they do is put the, the helmet of salvation on. But that's not the first thing. And I want you to know there's, there's a reason why he says to gird up your waist with truth. Psalm 37, 23 says the steps of a good man are ordered. Say ordered. Ordered, ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Standing, you stand having girded first your waist. Okay, gird is a great word, okay? Especially in the context of this next uh, parable I'm going to read you. Because a lot of people don't know what girded means or girding means. So turn to Luke, two, uh, Luke 12. Luke 12. I don't hear many pages turning. Everybody, how many of you use your phones for your Bible? Well, that's the reason. Just make sure your battery's on full charge when you get to church. Okay? Luke 12. I want you to see a... Uh, uh, girding in, in, in the same context. Jesus says this. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, that they may open to him immediately. That, see, when, when it was back, the Jewish tradition is uh, they're, they're engaged, the, the man and the woman, and then the, the, uh, the husband is living at his house, and he is preparing a room for his bride. Do y'all know, know much about that? He's preparing a room for his bride. And then the dad looks it over and makes sure that, that the house is ready for the bride. And then he, out of, he just says it. He calls the shots. He says, now go get your bride. And it can be in the middle of the night, okay? He said, you can go, go get your bride now. And he's like, yeah, 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 dad, I'm going to get her. You know? So, And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, that they will open him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch, that's a different time of the day, or in the third watch, that's a different time of the day, and find them so, blessed are those servants. In other words, girding means being ready. Gird up your waist. He says, you need to be prepared. You don't know when Jesus is coming back. You better be ready. You don't know when he's going to call us home. You better be ready. You don't know today if the, today is the last day that you're going to live on this earth. Did you know that? There are cars in the street that hit other cars and people die every day. We are not guaranteed another day. So we better be girded up. That's right. And I love those screaming, yeah! <laughs> because here's the warning. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, say therefore, therefore. you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He's coming. You may not think he's coming back, but he's coming back. And it could be today. It could be today. Are you girded up? Are you prepared? Is your life prepared? Is your heart prepared? Is it fastened to? That's what that word girded means. Be prepared, ready to be fastened to, be equipped with knowledge. In other words, everything, all the armor, all the armor is dependent upon this first piece of armor. It's the belt of truth. Everything hinges on that. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. The Passion Translation says put on truth as a belt. 
to strengthen you to stand in triumph. Your waist or your loins, they're metaphors in Ephesians 6.14, and it's in relation to armor that we think of as a belt. You may even think of it as a tool belt. How many of you guys have a tool belt? Oh, wow, a lot of you do. Have you ever hired somebody to come and give an estimate at your house for some work to do? And it's, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a guy that does remodeling, and he comes and he's all dressed nice, and he comes and looks everything over, and, and he goes back and he writes you up an estimate, and you hire him. And, but the next time you see him, when he comes in, he's, he's belted up. He's got the belt. He's got the, all that stuff hanging off of him. All those tools hanging off of him. Because he knows that he's going to need this tool. He's going to need this measuring tape. He's going to need the hammer. He's going to need all these tools that are available to him because he's ready to work. And we need to be ready to defend what the enemy's trying to steal from us. So we need to be girded in truth. But you've got to put it on. You've got to acknowledge it. You've got to know it. You've got to stand in truth. We live in a day when everything is questioned. Right? We, we live in a world of fake news. How many, a few years ago, ever heard of fake news? You know, just like, what's real, what's fake? Now, did you know now, I'm sure you do, because you're, I'm sure you're smarter than me, but now, now they can make somebody look like a certain person, a celebrity, and they can put a voice to him, and it can be CGI or computer generated, but it looks real. And they can say anything. You go, wow, did you hear what old so-and-so said? And it's all fake. Or you get on the internet and somebody has, oh, how many of you get those that so-and-so died? You, you, yeah, you're like, oh, no, Leonardo DiCaprio. No, he didn't die. I mean, somebody said he died yesterday. I don't know. But we, you get all these news reports that people have died. And you, and you kind of go, ah. Now you just read them and go, they ain't dead. I'm sure they're not. And then they might have died. You know, you don't know. But we live in a time where, We've said this throughout this series. God, good is called evil and evil is called good. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone has defined Scripture the way they want to define Scripture. We have thousands and thousands of denominations because one guy said, well, this means that, and somebody else said, that means no, it doesn't mean that, it means this. And we have a divisive body of Christ because of different opinions. God said it, and it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, it's true. If he said it in his word, it's true. It don't matter about your opinion. It doesn't matter about my opinion. Well, I think that means this. Well, okay, if that's what you want to think. And people want somebody else to tell them what the Bible says. You want me to put the belt of truth on you? You mean to come to your house every morning? Hey, let's put the belt on. Now you've got to know the truth. You've got to know the truth for yourself. Ephesians 4, 17 says this, I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk or run like that child just did. In the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. See, this is if you don't know the truth, this is where you're at. Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. Say, I have not so learned Christ. 
If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him. Now look at the next few words. As the truth is in Jesus. As the truth is what? In Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And we just read this and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I know we've already covered that, but we need to understand if we're going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, if we're going to walk covered, we've got to know our belt of truth is Jesus Christ. He is our truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 8, 31 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in what? My word. Say my word. You are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. See, if you're abiding in the word, then you're going to know the truth. And the truth shall what? Make you free. Amen. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been bonded to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? They were so ignorant. They, they forgot they had been in bondage throughout their life. And Jesus answered to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. We're sons of God. Amen. We abide in this house forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Jesus is so crystal clear here. If you want to walk in the truth, you've got to know him. You've got to abide in his word. Why? Because Jesus is the word. I know that's a, that's a hard concept to understand. It really is. In John 1, uh, John said this. He said in the, verse 14, And the word became flesh. Now who became flesh? Jesus Christ. The word became flesh. And dwelt among us. He walked among men for 33 years. And we beheld his glory. We saw him. We touched him. We walked with him. We listened to him. He touched our lives. And in the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and what? Truth. Full of grace and truth. Why do you think every week you hear from this pulpit, whether it's me or Ron or Ed or anybody else that fills this pulpit. We encourage you. We say, get in the word. Quit waiting for somebody else to get in the word for you. Oh, I don't have time, Pastor Willie. Make time. You got as much time as everybody else. How many of you, if you don't have a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. Take one of these home from under the pew. Or the pew. Under one of the chairs. <laughs> Keystone cops, pews. I know. It goes... My, it's in my history. <laughs> oh, pound it in your heads every week. Get into the Word. Hey, just pretend that you're going to preach next Sunday. So study a subject that you're ready to preach. And if you're not going to preach it up here, you're probably going to get to preach it somewhere. At the job, at your school, and your family. To yourself, Yeah. Get into the Word, know the Word, absorb the Word, eat the Word, meditate on the Word, memorize the Word. How do you think Jesus responded when he was tempted by Satan? He said, it is written. He quoted the Word to him. He quoted the pure Word. Amen? So how do we get faith? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God.
That's what we put on. We put on this belt of truth. So you can't even understand the rest of the pieces of the armor till you have the truth. Because if you don't know the truth, you won't understand salvation. You won't understand anything else. You won't understand the shoes of peace. You won't understand the, the sword of the Spirit. You won't understand any of these other things until you get the truth of God in you. In Galatians 1.6, Paul speaks of those who have fallen for a different gospel. I'm reading this from the Passion. He said, I am shocked over how quickly you have strayed away from the one who called you in the grace of Christ. I'm astonished that you now embrace a distorted gospel. That is a fake gospel. That is simply not true. There's only one gospel. The good news of Christ. Yet you have allowed those who mingle, listen to this, mingle law with grace to confuse you. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel different than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. We live in a day when there is a mingling. There is new age in Christianity. There is Jehovah's Witness in Christianity. There is Mormonism in Christianity and they mingle. And they like to suck you in because they'll talk to you about Jesus. All these new age things, these Mormon and all this, they'll talk to you about Jesus. And they'll paint a really good, pretty picture of Jesus. And if you don't know the word, you can get sucked into a lie and into a cult. That's why you have to know it's imperative that you know the truth. And when you start knowing the truth, then you can start learning how to armor up and be ready for whatever the enemy throws at you. There's only one way to heaven. Jesus said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no man, no person comes to the Father except through me, through the cross of Jesus Christ. If you don't get anything, get that today. That truth. Because there are people in this room today that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I encourage you today, if you don't know him, to give your life to him. Would you stand this morning?